prepare for preseason game number three? Who is the biggest threat of the Dolphins starters? Looking at the numbers, Tua. Uh, I got to go with Tyreek Hill. Welcome into Jags AM on this Thursday, presented by Fields Auto Group. I'm Kainani Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Osier with us, and a very special guest. We're going to talk Miami first. We're switching things up a little bit today because we're going to have that third preseason game against the Dolphins. So we wanted to check in with one of our insiders, Armando Salguero, covered the team forever. So we want to check in with you and kind of get an update on where the team's at. We were just talking about threats on the starters, but as of what you've been hearing, are we going to see any starters? Well, that is being decided this morning. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we speak, Mike McDaniel is speaking to the media. I, however, am speaking to you. We so, appreciate you for uh, it. We're, we're going to see in the next couple of minutes whether he is going to play those guys. I would say to you that I wouldn't be surprised if either way, to be honest with you, to, you know, McDaniel isn't one for exposing his guys but on the other hand you know Tua and Tyreek could probably use a little honing and it's a on the defense I would think that there will be starters on the field for the Dolphins. Armando John Osier I appreciate you doing this how you doing? I'm doing great John how are you? Good hey uh we've talked a lot over the years and you know we've both sort of covered some teams uh, that on various levels haven't gotten deep in the playoffs in a long, 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 long time. Uh, I'm curious, it, it, we followed the Jags so closely, so we know what expectations are here. How high are expectations? Everybody talks about the Bills in that division nationally, but I get the feeling that Dolphins people and Dolphins fans think they've got something this year maybe to get above that hump that they haven't gotten over in so long. Yeah, it's, and it's really now a couple of humps, right? Because everybody talks about the Bills because they've won the AFC East for three consecutive years. There's a little buzz about the New York Jets sure. as well, apparently, <laughs> this this summer. And they, they've got a certain four-time MVP quarterback that has made them very, very relevant. And that is also a team that now is a fan and pundit favorite in the AFC East. Meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins, People forget they did make the playoffs last year in Mike McDaniel's first year. They did go to Buffalo without their starting quarterback to a Tonga Vailoa, and they lost the, the playoff game by, you know, two points. So I would say to you that it's it's a team that believes itself to be a, a, uh, a contender, more so if Jalen Ramsey hadn't gotten hurt. And more so if their talks with Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts bring them an actual running back that, that you know, is going to be their bell cow ball carrier. Hey, Armando, it's Brian Sexton. How are you today? Hey, Brian. I want to double down on that thought, but only on Tua. And I have to admit, I was caught in the bubble. We didn't see the Dolphins last year. And my impression was, well, you know, Tua was injured. He was out with the concussions most of last year. And I'm reading the numbers. His passer rating was greater than Patrick Mahomes. Led the league in third down quarterback efficiency. Was at the top of the league in the red zone. And the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, 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 but how much did he play? 
And then I looked, and he played 13 games. So my question is, if not for those you know concussions that kind of created the air that Tua was so limited last year, would we be talking about him as an elite quarterback, one of those you know top tier guys? Absolutely, um, and I get it. It's a one year change of course for Tua because the previous you know two years. Uh, under a different coach, by the way, under Brian Flores. He wasn't that guy. He didn't show a whole lot that would suggest he's going to be in the top 10, much less elite. When he threw those six touchdown passes against the Baltimore Ravens, that kind of opened some eyes and changed the narrative, and he went from there. Obviously, the question with him now is durability. Dude, you can't be elite. You can't be good. You can't be great, certainly, if you are not on the field. And so that is the question for Tua. Uh, I want to check in with you, Armando. I know there's some, been some controversy with Tua lately. Ryan Clark calling him out, said he looks like he hasn't been training, but he's put on some weight. What does he look like in person? I assume he needed to put on a little bit of muscle and a little bit of weight to try to stay on the field. Right. So he's 217 pounds dripping wet. Uh before the offseason began, he's about 222, 224 now. Um, the idea that he didn't work out this offseason, Tua's always been thick from the hips down, mm -hmm. uh, from the waist down, really. And he continues to be that. He's built up the upper body a little bit so that he can maintain and not necessarily hit his head every single time he goes down he also took jujitsu this off season the whole point is avoid the concussion because he had two last year some people would say he had three and everyone knows if you have another one this year you know three concussions in a year that's a that's a bad situation to be in and we wouldn't be talking about missing a game or two we would be talking about missing you know, way more significant time. I almost said a month or two, but it could be even more than that. It's a good thing to keep an eye on. Certainly, obviously, his health, he's taking paramount. Um, what do you see in terms of us? We talk about how people perceive Trevor Lawrence all over the place, and, and he's getting a little bit of hype, but what do you guys know of him, and what, how do you see him as uh, being a threat to the league now? <laughs> uh, I watched the playoffs, <laughs> and I was at camp, um, talking with Doug Peterson last year before the, you know, the production. And he hasn't had a, a you know, a, a eyebrow-raising blowout season. But he hasn't had Calvin Ridley before. And he hasn't had a playoff team under him before. Uh, the Jags are coming. Everybody knows it in that division. Everybody knows it. And obviously... The quarterback is uh, about 50% of that. That's a that's a good team. That's a good roster. And I love Doug Peterson as a coach. I covered him as a player low those many years ago in Miami. Armando, uh, we talked about expectations for this team, but you've been around it a long time. You've seen uh, various levels of good teams and struggling Dolphins teams. How do you think this team will do? Because you have a good gauge team? for it. Yeah. The yeah, Dolphins, so, yeah, the Dolphins. Look, they, they are, they have an outstanding roster. The, 
anything less than the playoffs is a is a disappointment. They are to the point where people expect actual playoff run. Um, that hasn't happened in South Florida. They haven't won a playoff game since January of 2000. Right. So uh, the millennium, the new millennium hasn't been kind <laughs> to them. And the drought has been very long. And folks expect to drink playoff victories this year. Notice I said victories that, this um, year. That, that playoff win in January 2000, would that have been the win over Seattle at the Old Kingdom before they came here? No, actually, it was uh, against the Colts where um, I forgot the guy's name, but Lamar, they had a running back. Lamar something. Uh, Lamar something. Yeah, yeah he went yeah. off for like, you know, he carried the ball close to 40 times and he rushed for 212 yards. But, I remember the stats. I just don't remember. Lamar Smith. That's it. But yeah. have, have they? I that, can remember. Trying to remember. Are you saying that they haven't won a playoff game, though, since. Was sixty-two to seven loss here? They haven't won one since then. No, the next year. Oh, the next year, uh, the two thousand season in overtime. Sorry, I thought you meant. Okay, gotcha. Hey, the question I have for you, real quick, is the impact that you've seen from Vic Fangio on the defensive side, and um, will they see Jalen Ramsey this year? And if they do, how does that impact them completely on defense? Yeah, the Jalen Ramsey expects to be back on the field by November. And the Dolphins expect him to be back on the field by December. And everyone is hopeful. We'll see how that works out because it's not just getting back on the field, as you guys know. It's also getting back on the field and being Jalen Ramsey. Uh, without Jalen Ramsey, all of a sudden that cornerback tandem with Xavier and Howard on the other side becomes much less so of a, of a threat to opposing quarterbacks. Vic Fangio is a stud. He was, you know, he was the best defensive mind available in the offseason. And the Dolphins are paying him like he was because he deserves it. He's proven it over the years. Was he a great head coach? No, but because he didn't get the results. But his defenses were great. And before that, his defenses were great. And the expectations are in Miami – his defense will be great. And you know who the uh, Colts defensive coordinator was in the last Dolphins playoff win was Vic Fangio. We love a throwback. <laughs> Armando, thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to this tune-up on Saturday before the regular season begins. And we always appreciate hearing from our opponents and what we're going to be going up against. All right, coming up, we will – Go on and talk a little bit about what this team is doing this week, and we'll give you a preview of Saturday's game. Welcome back to Jags AM, presented by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury, fieldsauto.com. I'm Kanani Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Osier. We started off with our guest getting a little preview of Saturday's game against the Dolphins. So now we're going to bring you the big things. Big thing number one is going to be the star of the show. We've been talking about backup quarterbacks, QB3 maybe, but let's be honest, this whole thing is about Trevor Lawrence and what we're going to see from him this year. So how excited are you, uh, John, I'll start with you, to see Trevor actually out there, what this offense will be capable of, because we're going to see him for at least a half, and maybe a preview of what we'll see this season. Uh, I'm very interested to see what they do. Um, you would like to keep it in perspective. It's the preseason. Certainly. But 
if they get four series, I think they would certainly like to get a couple of touchdowns. You'd like to keep the three and outs to, you know, one or none. And you would like to see them drive the ball. You'd like to see them get uh, convert situations. Even beyond uh, touchdowns, which are important, you would like to see them get into a rhythm in the middle of the field. And you kind of feel what I'm talking about more than I can really explain it, Brian. But, you know, maybe a couple of quick tempo plays where you're throwing to Kirk over the middle and then you've got Ridley on a 15-yard on a pass where they sort of show what they're about and that they're in rhythm. All offseason, these guys uh, – I talked to Christian Kirk the other day, and even after the interview, he said, Trevor's just playing fast. You'd like to see that playing fast, and that means reading it easy, making quick throws, looking the part, looking confident. If they don't score – I mean, y- you want touchdowns, but I want to see that more than I want to see anything else, Brian. I, um, I watched – press yesterday press taylor the offensive coordinator in his news conference and he was getting questions about the third quarterback and the fifth wide receiver and i could just see his eyes gloss over that's roster building that is the is the area of the coach and the general manager he's focused on the quarterback right he wants to make sure that trevor lawrence because as trevor lawrence goes this entire franchise goes so while we get all caught up in nathan rourke or jacob harris Man, he's not thinking about that at all. His entire focus is on making sure that 16 is where he needs to be. And the word that both 16 and press used yesterday was clean. What you're talking about is a clean performance, meaning you go out, you don't have to make it complicated. We do what we do, right? The slants, the patterns, whatever it is, the running game, the defense. And we just go out, we do it well. Doesn't matter what the score is, none of that matters. Are we in a position where we can launch into a regular season mode when it's time to get ready for the Colts. Um, but the entire storyline of camp ends with the quarterback. Is the quarterback ready to take the next step? Because, John, as you've said, if he takes that next step, this team is in contention. Oh, no doubt. And the thing to, to remember, whatever happens on Saturday, we've all been around the NFL enough to know, yes, it applies, yes, you want it, but once that thing kicks off on on Sunday in two weeks, I've I've been around teams yeah. that looked awful in the preseason and come out and just roll in the first quarter of that first game. I've been around that does the opposite. It it's nice. It'll make them feel better for two weeks. But once the lights really go on, it's it's a different thing. That you just what don't we'll see Saturday. You just don't want to finish camp in the preseason going. Oh, that was ugly. You just want to walk off the field and go, okay, all right, good. Don't have to be perfect, but you just want to go into the tunnel and say, okay, good, let's go. And that's our big thing, number two. You mentioned it already, Brian, but we want to keep it clean, right? And that goes for everybody. We want to see the defense also going out there, not making mistakes. We don't want to see dumb penalties. I think a lot of this is you know, mentally being prepared for the season as well. We've talked as much about that as Doug's not going to put up with dumb mistakes like that. He'll give you a chance, but you need to be mentally prepared for the season. How much of this coming out in that final preseason game is just showing that you're ready to go? Do your job. Know what the job is. Do the job. It's that simple for guys. And and there are a number of guys, Kai, who have had to learn different positions, who've had to be multidimensional because of injuries here and there. But show that you know that you belong by doing your job. We said it yesterday. Coaches want to trust that when they put you on the field, that you can handle the situation that they're putting you into, that you can handle the job. 
Go prove that you can do it. The other thing on clean is healthy. You just, you just can't have many more nicks, bumps, and bruises amongst the big guys. Because on both sides right now, you're banged up. Yeah, I think as much as penalties, which does indicate non-cleanliness or dirty, as it were, um, I think when coaches look at this, they also look at being clean on and off the field uh, when you're trying to get substitutions, uh, guys in and out. Uh, you, I think the penalties that would bother the coaches the most is if all of a sudden you look up and you've got 10 men on the field or 12, which means guys aren't really dialed in on that front. And the other side of that is you're working with a lot of different combinations in preseasons. You're going to have mistakes. But I think they like to be clean there. It shows them the guys are on top of it. If they have some interference penalties, some action-type penalties, you're not going to worry about it. But it's the penalties of preparation, showing that they're dialed in and mentally ready for this thing to get started. One more clean area, or one more area they need to be clean, coverage, right? We've seen some returns, uh, sizable returns, in both Dallas and Detroit against this team. they got to get that stuff cleaned up. Now, part of that, and Heath Farwell is going to talk a little later today, is just the number of guys that you're yeah. rotating in and out, trying to make sure that you have a good evaluation as to whether they belong here or not. The other but, thing Doug said about that, Brian, not to interrupt you, no, which right. I did, um, they purposely kicked short in the preseason to get a look at those guys. So I didn't get the impression they were overly worried about it. No. But you do want to see it clean when they have returns. Right. Our final big thing is going to be that two attest. As we mentioned, we're not sure how much we'll see or if we will see the Miami starters. But if we do, it'll be the first starting quarterback we've seen in the preseason. And as the defense is always a question mark on this team because we love the offense, quote, love the offense so much because it's going to be so great. But we question the defense a lot. And to be fair, it would be nice to see them up against a starting quarterback to see what they actually have out there because they looked good against, you know, second, third string. But what will Tua bring if he's on the field? Well, I would assume that if they're going to play Tua, and we don't know that for sure, that they're going to play Waddle and Hill. I mean, you're not going to put And that's a whole other there. challenge. Right. So what he brings is that starting offense, which – he was the highest-rated passer in the regular season, missing four starts last year, 105.6, I think. And Patrick Mahomes was 105.2. So clearly, he brings a very efficient passing offense. So we're going to test the pressure and the ability to get after a mobile quarterback. And immediately, we're going to test the coverage on the guy who led the NFL in receiving. Well, sorry, he was second in receiving, led the AFC in receiving yards last year in Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm going to say something fans won't love. Uh-oh. If the Dolphins are, are this regular season game and they're in their fourth week and they're operating at a high level, they're going to score on the Jags. Just like if the Jags are playing with this offense, this fan base would expect them to score against any defense in the league. The Dolphins, it, it, and my point with that is, there's a handful of teams that you look at that are good enough offensively with enough weapons that – you're going to need to get up in the stratosphere on offense to be able to hang with. I put the Chiefs there, the Bills, the Bengals. My point with this is the Dolphins are that sort of team. There's other contending teams, uh, 49ers, maybe the Ravens uh, at, at times, that I think are really, really good, but maybe don't have to go in shootouts. The Dolphins can go score with you no matter how well you're playing uh, defensively, which if the Jaguars play well defensively, would make you feel really good. But I wouldn't necessarily, oh my God, the Dolphins scored a touchdown. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns this year. So play well and be able to break some serves, but this is a good offensive team. Get a lead, yeah, right? Give the defense a chance to tee off. Wouldn't we love that? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for it. All right, stay with us. We're going to do He Will, He Won't, He Might coming up for Saturday's game. We'll see you after the break.
Welcome back to Jags AM. We're talking Saturday's final preseason game versus the Miami Dolphins. That's brought to you by Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the Jaguars and the NFL. Not a bad game to check out because I'm sure preseason prices are a little bit more reasonable. And we're going to see the starters for the Jags at least the first half. So unlike other preseason games where maybe you don't see anybody, this should be good, uh, good football to watch. So we're going to do he will, he won't, he might because it's our final preseason game of the year against the Dolphins. Brian, you want to kick it off? I'll take Tyler Lacey. Okay. uh, The young defensive lineman from Oklahoma State who played well last week and had a good practice session with the Lions and has carried it on this week from what I'm told. So uh, he'll have to play. You know, the injury with Devon Hamilton and with Foley Fontacasi means they are thin. He is a big prospect. I mean, big meaning he is big. He has wide shoulders and long arms and he's about 6'4", 265 and just looks like a guy who can plug some holes. So he's going to have to play early on. I They might not need him in every situation, but he's going to be some depth. Um, He's not going to remind you of a first-round pick. He's not going to be a guy that you say, wow, about, um, because they're not going to ask him to be. They're going to ask him to go in and just do his job. Play that five technique, you know, fill two gaps and try not to get blown off the ball. But he should be getting better as we go through this because he's got a lot of potential. I think when I look at him, I think he could be the next Dewan Smoot. Smoot came in as a third-round pick, so a round ahead of where he was drafted, in 2017. But when was the first time you heard of Smoot, right? A little bit, but there were good players in front of him, and the Jaguars were patient with Smoot, and he became a guy who could give you six sacks, seven sacks. In the last three or four years, he really has emerged. I look at Tyler Lacey, and I think, that's Dwan Smoot. He just needs time to develop. He's got some pass rush. He's got some inside and some outside. I, I think he was a very wise draft pick where he was because no one's going to expect him to come in and be a star, but they have time to develop him. And it's nice for to, for this team to have the depth where they have the time to do that and develop a it jar on the without pushing anybody uh, before they're ready to play. Uh, John, who are you looking at? I went with uh, Blake Hance, uh, who will definitely play, and it's, it's an important night for him. He can play anywhere along the offensive line. He's a veteran guy. He's one of those guys we talked about earlier in the week that the Jaguars pro scouts have done a nice job of bringing in guys who've been in the NFL who are reasonably priced to bring him in and they can play. Uh, He won't be bored because I think he'll play center. I think he'll play different spots along the offensive line. And the reason I chose Blake is it's such an important game for that group because they're trying to figure out guys who not only – they want on the roster, but then they're also trying to figure out who they want long-term. Do you keep a guy like Cooper Hodges on the 53 because you'd like to have him later on in the season? Can you do that? Can you do that with Wells? Uh, Versatility is key in that because I think they would like to keep the numbers that they keep relatively minimum. A versatile guy could save a roster spot. Uh, I don't have a very good take on Blake because I'm not sure anybody knows out of this group of Blake Hance, Chandler uh, Brewer. Yeah, Chandler Brewer, Daryl Williams. It it feels like a lot of moving parts that you don't know. Uh, but Blake Hance might be on the team because he can snap. He can play center. Mm-hmm. And if if you're a versatile guy and you can be trusted at center, uh, he's going to be in the NFL. Uh, and I think he might be here. They're looking for that guy to replace Josh Wells. And that seems ridiculous. Josh Wells was brought in to be depth, right? But for the first four games with Cam out... You have no depth to tackle all of a sudden. So Hans 
is the guy who can save them while Wells is gone because he can step in and be the fourth tackle, right? Um, and be the guy that they can count on in case there's an injury. Remember, you're dealing with the right tackle who's wearing a harness on his shoulder, and it's going to be something that the coach has said he will have to manage all season long. So Hans is a really important player if Wells is out of the equation, and it appears he is. Yeah, it's such a, a, I'm sorry, Kai, it's such an, it feels like, I don't say abyss, but sort of just all these guys who, because they've been depth, because we haven't talked about them a whole lot, you don't know what they're going to draw from. Uh, could they go on the waiver wire if they feel like we need a pure tackle who's a little bit of an upgrade? Um, I don't think they're in trouble on the offensive line because they've got good starters who are healthy and they've got good depth. I just feel like it's very uncertain, and there's going to be a lot of discussions on that yeah. front on Monday and Tuesday. Guy. Sorry versatility. No, it's okay. Versatility is something that we've talked about on the offensive line, and you have to play multiple positions. There's very few of those players in the O-line group right now that don't play multiple positions. And as we've seen with the injuries, it's going to become very important. My he will, he won't, he might is going to be Tank Bigsby because the home fans are going to get to see him for the first time in game action. I think he will score on Saturday. He will not disappoint the fans because of what we've seen so far. It's been impressive just in the preseason. And he very well might um, lead with carries, I think, in this game, depending how much... Uh, he plays going into the second half as well. And I'm excited for the home fans to get to see him because, you know, we talk about him a lot, but not everybody's gotten to see what he's capable of doing. And I'm also excited if there are starters playing for Miami to see what he will do against a first-line defense. Yeah, I usually – Brian's worked with me for longer than he would care to admit. Long time. Um, I, I usually don't gush over rookies, and I, I usually don't – I'm not a big prediction guy. I want to see him play it out. I said on uh, – I guess it was huddle up yesterday. I think Tank Bigsby is a thousand yard rusher, twelve hundred yard rusher, who probably won't get the opportunity to do that this year. If this was a different era, if he was on a different team, I look at him. I, I think he's got a chance to be a star. But in this offense, uh, where there are four receivers who are big time at least, there's also Travis Etienne. The way Doug calls games, I, you know. I don't think Doug Peterson has any desire, nor do Jaguars fans, to see them turn around and hand the ball to Tank Bigsby 25 times because Travis Etienne's too good and so is a passing offense. If he was needed to do that, though, could. he could. And I think that's a it's going to be very interesting to see how they use this kid this season because I think he's got a chance to be special. You've heard the old saying, quote, he throws around compliments like manhole covers. That was a manhole cover. I was going to say. Threw, right? I can and lift he, and a manhole cover. And now. he said it the second or third day of camp. Uh, and so, you know, credit to you. You pointed it out early. John. I will take some credit. Yeah, well. Do John, or not. Yeah, John, 100%. you've seen a couple good running backs in your career, so I do trust your judgment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I covered Edron James and Fred Taylor, who were the elite, and uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, who, you know, right there with them. Um, you can't compare them to those guys because Fred and Edron and Maurice had special stuff special, during special sort stuff. of a different era for running backs too they they proved it during a time where teams game plan for running backs but it i'm not saying this to ignore travis Etienne, who is is deservedly the starter it's fascinating to have them both maybe a little like fred and maurice uh, back in the day special again not that category listen doug peterson said he thinks he's a 1600 yard back Right. That is Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones, yeah. Drew, Edger and James territory. But again, right? I don't think Travis can get to 1,600 the way they play offense. 
But if you're saying, is he a 16-yard back talent I want to see it. If that's true, yeah. I want to see it. But uh, it, I guess we're talking about Tanks so much because we all saw Travis yeah. last year. We saw what he can do. Tanks' feet and his ability to accelerate out of the hole and then back that up with power is can, very interesting. Can Tank be a 1,600-yard player? Well, You said 12. Could he get to 16? Yeah, 16 in this day and age. I don't know... I don't know that the Jaguars, the way they play offense, I'll have to see them run that much to have a 1,600-yard back. Uh, I remember Tony Dungy, when I covered the Colts, saying they didn't necessarily want to be leading the league in rushing because if they were leading the league in rushing, then they were wasting Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and and Marvin Harrison. So do you want to run that much to be a 1,600-yard back, especially when you've got... Travis Etienne, but I think they can both be really, really important. Maybe not get numbers that you would get in the 80s, but certainly make this a special offense. An offensive embarrassment of riches, if you will. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll preview the rest of the week and, of course, Saturday's matchup. Welcome back to Jags AM. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. We've got our final preseason game of the year on Saturday against the Dolphins. It's a little bit of a tune-up. If we do see the starters, John, who do you think can outscore, or who's going to score the most uh, out of these two offenses? Oh, um... I think it might be closer than we think. I know we talk about ourselves all the time. Yeah, Obviously, gonna, we're self-involved, but Miami's offense is, is pretty talented. Yeah, I mean, Wide receiver I, core as well. I'll go with the Jags, but I think it's going to be close. I think if, if, these t- if these two teams played healthy during the regular season, um... I, I think it'd be a shootout. I think this is one of the teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Miami, Jacksonville, uh, probably even out a couple, uh, you know, San Diego or uh, uh, the Chargers. They're one of a handful of teams that if they're playing each other, it's not inconceivable that it's 35-32. Or whoever has the ball last Yeah, I think maybe. it's one of those games. It's always the Jacks. It's always the yeah. Jacks. Like All right, that. let's very, leave you on that. Well done, Dewey. We'll have our broadcast for you this uh On the TV broadcast, I'll be on the radio broadcast. And, of course, John will have full coverage for you as well. So check out Preseason Game 3. We'll see you on Monday when we get to talk regular season and cut down day as well.